Welcome to Nuclear Energy in Korea, a podcast to promote discussion of major issues and challenges in U.S. and Korean nuclear energy. I'm Alan Ahn, and I'll be your host today. have the great honor of speaking with Mr. Nobuo Tanaka, former executive director of the International Energy Agency, or IEA, uh, global associate for energy security and sustainability at the Institute of Energy Economics, Japan. Uh, He is also professor at the Graduate School of Public Policy in the University of Tokyo. Mr. Tanaka, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to speak with us. Yeah, you are most welcome, Alan. So my first question would be, uh, you were executive director for the IEA mm-hmm. back in 2007 to 2011. Mm-hmm. Although it's only been several years since you left the IEA, many basic assumptions about the IEA's core issues, such as energy security, oil security, and so forth, have dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. Is the world more or less complicated for the IEA compared to when you were the executive director? Ah, well, that's a very interesting question. I think uh, the world is getting always uh, uh, more complex with new issues, uh, uh, and uh, many of the, let's say, changes have happened since I I left. One is the geopolitical instability is very, very um, high. The you know Middle East situation with Islamic State in Iraq and Syria is is is, is enormous. It it has uh, unfortunately just recently uh, Japanese hostages were killed, and um, there's a strong um, uh, concern about the mm-hmm. security of the people. But uh, the energy market is same thing. We have uh, serious uncertainty. Uh, there and um, unfortunately it's not uh, decreasing so we have to prepare for the unfair uh, um, uh, let's say instability or uh, things uh, very difficult situation uh, or emergency may happen so uh, this, this Instability or the uh, the kind of uh, let's say um, volatility in the market is probably getting worse. Mm-hmm. This um, not only geopolitical. Uh, another geopolitical issue is the Ukraine and Russia. This Eastern European situation is getting very very difficult, and we haven't seen no exit so far. And sanctions by the U.S. or G7 countries uh, is creating um, economic uh, uh, impact to Europe as well as, of course, to Russia. So how this goes will have a significant impact to the energy uh, market. Russia is certainly a very big uh, supplier of oil, gas, and coal. So how the investments there... I mean, the East or anywhere may have the impact to the future market. The current low price was triggered by the OPEC decision to maintain the production of oil, and this gives the very strong shock to the market, and the oil price is getting lower and lower these 
weeks and months. So this is a challenge to the very high cost producer, the shale, the oil of the North America. So we know that the uh, shale revolution changed dramatically the oil and gas market so far, but now the new challenge is how the investment uh, to these uh, unconventional oil and gas continue. And this has significant impact to the future demand and supply. So the, in a way, OPEC or Saudi Arabia is testing the resilience of these oil, uh, shale oil and gas. So mm -hmm. these are the very big uncertainty to the market in the future. So the IEA has long been concerned, and still it is buried, is that uh, the long-term capacity or supply capacity of, of oil and gas, certainly demand side is, is getting stronger and stronger from emerging economies like China may stagnate, to some extent, but India will continue, or ASEAN countries, Africa is coming, Latin America. So the emerging market demand for energy will continue to be very strong. So supply side, if there is not enough investment, so the problem is coming, will come back again as short supply vis-a-vis very strongly growing demand. So. This kind of situation is very easy to imagine. So IEA has always warned, continued to warn the market that uh, you know we have to uh, think in the longer term and maintain the certain level of investment for the future security. So, well, the situation is uh, you know in a way not changing, but challenge to the stability or security is definitely rising. That is uh, mm. my view. Yep. You, you briefly mentioned the, the shale gas revolution going on in the U.S. and uh, according to certain projections, mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. will become the largest producer of, of gas and oil in the world. To what extent can the U.S.'s newfound energy independence and energy surplus help mitigate energy security in other parts of the world, such as Europe or East Asia? Yeah, certainly this unconventional energy source for gas and oil in North America and its technology of this shale development, so-called horizontal drilling as well as hydrofracturing certainly uh, opened the huge potential for other countries also, like China or Argentina or Canada or even Middle uh, East and some part of Europe. There are huge potential of shale development. So this uh, will give the new age of unconventional gas and oil. Of course, in a relatively shorter time, if the United States has uh, ample supply of gas and if it is uh, going to be liquefied and exported to Asia, where the demand uh, grows uh, in a very fast speed, uh, Japan or China or Korea or ASEAN countries, certainly this American export will help the Asian economic growth in a sustainable manner. Uh, the gas is uh, definitely uh, cleaner uh, yeah. than coal and uh, <clears throat> definitely uh, cheaper than oil. So the gas is a very important 
source of energy, and uh, of course there are some um, caveats about uh, you know sustainable production methodology or containing the leakage of gas or methane or etc. But if we satisfy these conditions, which IA uh, called uh, them as a golden rules, then the golden age of gas is coming. And I think this situation is continuing, and uh, this will certainly help to enhance security and sustainability in the United States, but also it helps uh, to some extent those countries uh, using gas uh, for the future fields uh, of the economic growth. Switching gears just a bit, how important do you think it, nuclear power is for international uh, energy security and sustainability? Do you believe uh, you need a global nuclear renaissance to have mm -hmm. meaningful carbon mitigation and an energy-secure energy world? Or yeah. do you believe there are any possible alternate scenarios without nuclear? Ah, this is an interesting question, very important question. And certainly after unfortunately that unfortunate accident in, in Fukushima, uh, there are certain concerns about the safety of the nuclear power, uh, especially in Japan, but not only in Japan, in, in many countries. The safety is the issue number one. So you can uh, we can see the recent World Energy Outlook, which IEA has released last November, and there's a special chapter on nuclear power. And uh, IEA says that nuclear will still continue, even after Fukushima accident, to grow by about 60% from now to 2040. So, especially in the developing countries like China, India, Russia, East Asia, or Southeast Asia. So, it is quite clear that emerging economies or developing economies need a very stable supply of electricity through nuclear power. So, but uh, to make uh, the public acceptance more available in, in, in many countries, IEA says that we have to prepare for the safety standards. Uh, international safety standards must be abided by many countries, and the public must uh, understand how the countries deal with the issue of uh, the commissioning of the older reactors, because uh, IA says about 40% of the uh, old light water reactor system must be decommissioned by 2040 in the world. So how to replace them, or how to decommission them, is uh, certainly the very important issue for the public acceptance. Another one is that the spent fuel, or how to deal with spent fuel or high-level waste if some countries do the uh, reprocessing. Mm. The IEA says uh, currently there are about 350,000 uh, ton, uh, tons of, uh, a mi uh, million tons, excuse me, just check, million tons, I guess, of uh, uh, waste, and uh, thousand tons, excuse me, 350,000 tons of uh, waste, and it will expand to by double, about 700,000 tons. Uh, in 2040. So how to deal with this spent fuel is certainly 
another very important issue for the public acceptance. So try to find these uh, requirements of safety or issues or decommissioning, uh, spent fuel, the waste, radioactive waste, or maybe the issue of uh, nuclear non-proliferation is another uh, important element that the uh, nuclear community must uh, to address. And then uh, this will help much better understanding of the public and uh, will give chance of promoting open nuclear. And I also analyze if uh, nuclear power is not taken uh, as an option, that certainly the global community suffer with higher CO2 emission as well as lower energy security for certain countries like Japan or like Korea, where we need uh, much more exogenous sources of energy. So I also calculated if low nuclear case, like zero nuclear in Japan, suffer, uh, uh, gives a very uh, strong detriment for the Japanese energy security as well as sustainability of showing clearly that how much more CO2 emission happens or how, how much more money Japan should spend on buying more uh, gas and oil. And uh, so these are the definite, uh, let's say, uh, impact of uh, not operating nuclear power. We are wasting, Japan is wasting 4 trillion yen, 40 billion US dollars of uh, additional purchase of gas and oil every year. And this is not sustainable. So I strongly believe that uh, nuclear power is a very important source for uh, energy security as well as uh, sustainability. Of course, we should not forget about other uh, tools of uh, sustainability like renewable energy. So we need to have a very good design of the energy market or strong connectivity of the grid lines or a very reasonable system of feeding tariffs or support measures. These are the necessary conditions to have more renewables and uh, also continue to have the efforts of energy efficiency, etc. So all these efforts must continue, but at the same time, nuclear uh, still continue to be a very important uh, option which we should uh, maintain for the future. So the U.S. is still the world's largest producer of nuclear electricity, nuclear electricity, uh, but the U.S. nuclear industry has faced some some fairly heavy financial pressures as a result of, of cheap natural gas, and the struggle now seems to to just maintain the the existing fleet in the U.S. for as long as possible, given that the pace of new build in, in the U.S. is rather slow. Uh, you are obviously a believer in nuclear power and you support it. Given the, the current trend or the trajectory of the U.S. nuclear industry, uh, what would your advice be to U.S. policymakers and leaders? I see. Yes, that's a very, very important point. I think the United States is, uh, has, has long been a leader of the nuclear power um, in a military way or in a civil use. So I think the United States should continue to be a global leader in the nuclear technology. 
um, United States is very lucky uh, with uh, shale revolution. There's very cheap gas. Uh, gives the strong advantage of uh, using gas and shifting from coal. So by moving more to uh, from coal to gas, as well as using more renewables and efficiency measures, United States has successfully reduced CO2 emission and uh, enhanced energy uh, security as well as economic growth. So through this uh, share revolution, United States achieved win-win-win situation, triple-win situation. It is very lucky, because thanks to the share revolution, but this will not continue forever. The shale is not forever. Shale will, oil especially, will come to the peak in a, uh, in, in, in a decade or so, and, and slight will reduce the growth gradually, and gas will continue to to to, to stay, but it also, also cannot be forever. And the uh, United States must think about where the U.S. Uh, must move into in the future. Especially, I must clearly show the risk of uh, losing the nuclear leadership of the United States because there are lots of competitors in the world who are going to use nuclear power, like China or India or Russia, and uh, they are thinking very, care uh, very seriously about their technologies be exported to other developing countries. So if uh, U.S. is losing its market in the future, certainly security as well as non-proliferation risk may grow. Uh, another big uh, concern for me is the, is the situation in Japan, and uh, in a way, to some extent, uh, related to Korea. These two U.S. allies have some problem uh, for the future uh, nuclear power. Japanese case is typical after Fukushima. There is such a strong public concern about the safety and the nuclear power. So the discussion about what we should do uh, in nuclear in the future is very much fragile. And also, uh, for the sake of safety, for the sake of proliferation, for the sake of waste or central management, I think uh, these, these issues must be addressed clearly for the future. Korea certainly needs nuclear power and uh, pyroprocessing or new pro reprocessing uh, mechanisms to deal with uh, their spent fuel. So we know that uh, the one, two, three agreement uh, revision is moving on. Um, to have uh, these uh, two countries, and Japan is also facing the um, uh, one, two, three agreement revision in 2018. So these two countries as a very strong um, ally of the United States in the nuclear power. We have to cooperate to save the future of the nuclear uh, together. And uh, I think uh, the very important uh, technology has developed in the U.S., so we have to continue work on that in that direction and uh, recover the credibility and the public trust of the nuclear power. I think 
like uh, the United States uh, leaders uh, and uh, polit politicians or political leaders or policy makers should uh, understand the current nuclear situation uh, well and uh, prepare for that direction. That is my strong conviction. Uh, Mr. Tanaka, you have often stated that a, a crisis such as the blockage of the Strait of Hormuz Mm -hmm. uh, disrupting oil and gas supplies from the Middle East would put Japan into a quote-unquote economic death spiral, uh, mm -hmm. especially with no Japanese nuclear plants in operation. Mm -hmm. uh, let's imagine the reverse scenario. Would an energy crisis, uh, one that results in an economic crisis, convince the, the public, the stakeholders, and the government in Japan to push for nuclear restarts? Yeah, that's a very good question and very uh, legitimate uh, uh, let's say concern. Uh, once uh, this uh, uh, blockage of Hormuz happens, uh, uh, Japan lose 85 percent of oil and about 30 percent of the gas, and uh, some part of Japan will be will suffer much more than other parts because uh, uh, they depend on the imports from gas uh, from Qatar import of gas from Kazan. Uh, so tube electric, especially in the center of Japan, will have a huge uh, blackout if uh, the Hormuz Strait is uh, being blocked. So I think uh, this will happen uh, at any time. Uh, the problem is that uh, Japan is not really prepared for that. No way to prepare. Well, this is a nightmaric scenario for them. Uh, IA and executive director, so we are always preparing uh, for the situation like that, but it is very difficult to really uh, cope with if something, that kind of thing happens. Oil, we still have um, quite a big, um, say, stra strategic stockpile, but it's uh, also the matter of 100 days, 100 uh, days. It's, uh, Japan has about 180 days of stock, but it's still just six months. So, you know, uh, the risk of uh, Middle East, especially the Strait of Hormuz, must be uh, prepared. Um, so I'm asking the question, like, uh, if no nuclear power is running in Japan and if uh, this kind of, uh, of unprepared uh, situation happens with Strait of Hormuz, what would be the consequence? So this is very, very serious situation. And uh, I warn the policymakers here in Japan that uh, this could happen much more frequent than once in a thousand years, like tsunami. It could happen every 50 years. So uh, we have to prepare the scenario for that and uh, make sure that if something this happens, uh, we have something, uh, some measures to deal with. And uh, restarting nuclear power is a very good example. But the current uh, rules of the restarting of the nuclear power you know, this, uh, we need very stringent uh, screening of safety standards of the newly created uh, regulatory agency, and uh, there's no uh, emergence uh, measures of restarting without such kind of process or alternative process, for example. So I'm a strong uh, advocate of uh, we need to prepare 
uh, that kind of situation. And there are other possible natural disasters uh, as well. So this kind of uh, preparedness is uh, certainly very important, and I think public will notice right away if uh, the blockage of homeless happens that the cost of unpreparedness is enormous. Uh, so my point is, yes, uh, this sounds like a scare story to the public, but uh, policymakers must always make a um, good scenario for that and prepare uh, enough. And uh, I don't hope that this situation happens, and that is uh, causing uh, let's say public acceptance back to the nuclear power. The cost is, is, is in such kind of situation is going to be too high. So as you say, you know, being prepared and, and having a, a diversity of energy sources such as nuclear, uh, that's probably the main way to enhance energy security for a country like Japan. Um, you've also exactly. talked extensively about the role of technology in strengthening energy security, for example, mm -hmm. changing the way energy is delivered and used, mm -hmm. making available previously inaccessible sources of energy. Mm -hmm. What uh, technologies and development do you believe can have the greatest impact or the most immediate impact? Ah, technologies, yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, there are many uh, possible te different, te different kinds of technologies to enhance energy security. Of course, you know, nuclear is one, but uh, uh, other than nuclear, you know, there are plenty of methane hydrate or gas hydrate uh, surrounding Japan in, in, in the bottom of the ocean. And uh, the, uh, this methane hydrate is, has already been proven, uh, but uh, the, still we need uh, technologies to recover and use it in a commercial gas supply. Um, Japanese government is very strongly committed to the technologies of getting gas hydrate from ocean. Um, and it succeeded for that very short period uh, two years ago that this is possible. So they are continue they continue to develop and test the commercial viability as well as uh, the environmental uh, uh, impact studies. And the time will come when the gas price or oil price. Uh, may reach to the very high, and then the gas hydrate is getting more competitive. That is another, uh, this is hydrocarbon, but certainly this is uh, one way to enhance security. Another another uh, technology is, is uh, you know, storage uh, of electricity. Um, there are many different ways, the batteries, uh, different type of batteries, or uh, hydro pump-up stations, etc. But probably hydrogen is very strong way of storing um, uh, energy or electricity. Um, Japan has, uh, the Toyota has started uh, hydrogen fuel cell vehicle and uh, hydro, hydrogen stations, pumps, pumping stations are being uh, deployed. Um, and uh, storage or transportation technology could be developed much more seriously. The Toyota engineering is uh, doing um, chemical hydrate method 
Kawasaki Heavy Industries is trying to transport it by uh, free, uh, freezing or uh, let's say liquefying the hydrogen. So if uh, these uh, technologies uh, is getting available, so then uh, storing um, excess electricity by the renewables like wind uh, could be transformed into the hydrogen and stored for the use of uh, thermal energy. So this is a kind of uh, future realistic, but uh, just importing LNG will not increase value, but this uh, hydrogen will increase value by removing CO2 emission, means uh, exporting or trading cleaner fields uh, is a, certainly the value added when the price of carbon uh, is getting higher. So this is another technology. Of course, other uh, smart grid-related technology could be deployed managing the um, uh, demand side uh, or even coordinating supply side uh, with storage technologies. So. This kind of grid-related technologies certainly help. So all these technologies, including nuclear technology uh, for the future, will enhance um, energy security. Okay. So, so you just discussed a number of non-nuclear technologies. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the nuclear technology, the nuclear power technology that you have been an outspoken supporter for, and, and, and you touched mm -hmm. upon this a bit earlier, is the, mm -hmm. the integral fast reactor, or IFR. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I believe you may have hinted at this uh, earlier, discussing spent fuel issues, safety, and public mm -hmm. acceptance. But uh, mm -hmm. what are your specific reasons for promoting the IFR? Okay, well, that is uh, another next very important subject uh, of my comments. Uh, I strongly believe the uh, integral fast reactor uh, or GE's uh, prism reactor, a modular type of IFR, may help to, comp uh, to regain the public uh, acceptance uh, mm. in Japan because uh, IFR has been uh, has experimented in the United States in 1986 for at the Algon National Laboratory for its passive safety feature yes. by giving um, just like Fukushima accident type simulation or uh, experiment, uh, cutting the total power supply to the reactor and it stopped automatically. So it has a technical technological uh, technical feature of passive safety, and uh, that is proven. And I saw the movie Pandora's Promise and very impressed with uh, the fact that uh, this reactor uh, has been developed in the U.S. and uh, it is uh, tested as such. Uh, so why uh, I was uh, working for METI, Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, and even uh, did some part of the nuclear uh, work there, but I didn't know this technology until recently. And uh, Japan took different uh, option of uh, reprocessing by the PureX method, as well as Monju, the uh, breeder reactor technology, as our fuel cycle option. 
this uh, IFL of the Argonne National Laboratory could be a very important uh, alternative for the field cycle option. Also, I, I learned that uh, IFL and pyroprocessing, which is combined uh, reprocessing technology for the metal fuel, um, is certainly uh, technically uh, much more uh, proliferation resistant. Uh, and uh, this is another very important feature for uh, the developing economy, if any, to do the uh, civil nuclear power in the future. And uh, third, but the most important, is how to deal with the waste or spent fuel you know, from the reactor. And this technology certainly reduces substantially the radioactive uh, or toxicity of the high-level waste, uh, and it doesn't have any spent fuel because it automatically uh, reprocesses the spent fuel into the fuel for the reactor again. Uh, this closed uh, circuit is very promising for the waste management, uh, and the toxicity of the final waste is uh, just 300 years, and uh, when we compare it to the current light water reactor systems, uh, 100,000 years, certainly this is significant difference of the ease of uh, waste management. So with these three points, the safe passive safety, non-proliferation, and uh, easy waste management answers yeah, the three uh, the challenges of the nuclear power after Fukushima. So I think uh, IFR or PRISM model may provide the so-called sustainable path or sustainable development of the nuclear power. So, and uh, I'm testing uh, this technology as a possible solution for the Fukushima uh, Daiichi catastrophe, because there are huge debris of spent fuel, uh, which melt down in the first, second, and third unit. So to, we will, uh, TEPCO will uh, take out this uh, meltdown um, uh, debris, but uh, the technology to deal with uh, this debris, I think uh, pyroprocessing, uh, is considered to be the best technology to separate the plutonium, the, the, the fuels for to burn from the radioactive waste. And the radioactive waste must be dealt in the Fukushima prefecture. So I'm now proposing that uh, this prism or pyroprocessing must be tested or demonstrated in the Fukushima. And especially Fukushima dining, the second uh, Fukushima reactor site of the TEPCO, is probably the best place to do that. So for Japan, I think uh, we need urgently to try this technology and uh, prove that this is very viable option for the future deployment of the nuclear power. Here comes a very interesting issue that U.S. and Korea yeah, are now uh, testing and uh, working on this pyroprocessing uh, together. 
So I'm saying that maybe uh, the triangular cooperation between uh, Korea, Japan, the United States in Tsukushima as a uh, new uh, test bed for this IFR as well as bioprocessing may provide a very interesting in impact or input to the work of, of the integral fast reactor. Uh, well, I don't know if this goes, but uh, I'm talking publicly of this idea. Just recently, uh, I was invited to the Liberal Democratic Party's very important uh, uh, nuclear power uh, council or uh, framework, uh, the committee, to discuss about the future of the nuclear and expressed uh, and explained uh, this uh, proposal, and I think uh, they very well understand uh, the possibility. So this is not easy, but uh, I think IEFL and pyroprocessing is very important uh, alternative and increasing the uh, options which may complement the current light water uh, reactor uh, system. So you have proposed this idea of a, of mm -hmm. a joint trilateral fast reactor development partnership uh, among mm -hmm. Korea, the U.S., mm -hmm. Japan, uh, at, at many different forums, different audiences, yep. uh, including our roundtable, uh, yes. Global American Business Institute roundtable back mm -hmm. in September of 2014. Exactly. Um, and, and you've had this idea of testing this idea um, mm -hmm. and getting feedback, responses, Mm -hmm. What have been the most valuable or important lessons, feedback that you've received from these various communities or, or people that you've proposed this idea to? Uh -huh. Well, the, of course, you know, the first uh, reaction from the people I talk to, the general public or experts is, wow, I haven't heard about it, <laughs> you know, this technology. <laughs> so the awareness of the technology is not enough. Uh, uh, and my current activity of mine is to increase awareness of sure. the public about this uh, technology. Even I tried this in Fukushima Prefecture. I explained uh, the possibility, and the lady who uh, listened to my speech came after and, wow, Mr. Tanaka, I have never heard about this technology. Why <laughs> we were not being informed about this? So sadly, you know, the nuclear community here uh, is very cautious about saying some new technologies about nuclear. And uh, fast reactor is always considered as a kind of dream technology, but not really <laughs> happening except in a very experimental uh, manner in uh, some countries. So, and uh, unfortunately, because of Monju uh, of the fast breeder reactor in, in Japan lost uh, public uh, confidence, rock cash reprocessing plant hasn't been really uh, coming to the operation. So, some suspicion, very strong suspicion about the fuel cycle technology exists here. So, the nuclear community or policy makers or politicians are very cautious of uh, presenting uh, some new technologies. But I think uh, because we are not doing that, uh, the public are not really uh, aware of the situation and making a um, very, let's say, emotional decision eventually. So, this is a risk. 
So I'm saying, uh, and also when I talk to the uh, nuclear professionals, including uh, not only in Japan but the U.S. and uh, Korea, well, there are many people who think this is a very important and possible option. So I'm very much convinced that uh, now this is a time to test the public how they think about this technology as a a sustainable nuclear power, as a concept of sustainable nuclear power. It is a closed circuit technology and responding to these uh, difficult uh, questions which uh, were not really addressed by the current technology. The light water reactor paradigm is is quite obvious, the you know, military application, uh, you know, the power reactor for the submarine or uh, enrichment for making the uranium bomb or reprocessing purex methodology to produce plutonium for bomb. So unfortunately, you know, uh, these light water related, uh, reactor related technologies are very much um, proliferation prone. So, of course, for that, that sake, uh, United States uh, experts are very much uh, carefully treat the, this technology for safety and proliferation risk, uh, while not directly responding to the disposal issue. Yeah, it's temporary. Temporary solution is just keeping uh, spent cell in the dry cask at the uh, plant site, and this is. U.S. has luxury of doing so with uh, full of uh, space as well as uh, <laughs> shale revolution resources with coal also. So U.S. is very much of uh, has a luxury not to think seriously about the future of the nuclear power. But uh, it is not uh, permitted by, to for Japan as well as Korea. We must be seriously think about the more complete set of the nuclear technology as a sustainable nuclear technology. And I think this IFR and pyroprocessing probably as far as I'm not an engineer or scientist, so I don't I can not really prove myself for its technical viability, uh, uh, but it seems to me uh, when I talk to the other professionals who are dealing with <coughs> This technology uh, it seems to me that uh, it provides a, a huge potential uh, for the future energy, uh, for future nuclear or future energy option. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm working in uh, in Columbia University and writing the paper, and in April we are uh, hosting the one conference. Uh, in April, and uh, uh, releasing the paper as well as uh, uh, you know, promoting these concepts uh, uh, in the United States, because certainly, as I said, the United States is a technology leader uh, and who developed this IFR in Algon National Laboratory. I think U.S. is in the best play position to restart this uh, nuclear technology. It's also always unfortunate, it is very unfortunate that uh, nuclear issue is uh, treated as a political agenda. And uh, if the government changes, uh, sometimes uh, you know, nuclear is considered uh, very positively when uh, the government change, it is 
considered the other way around. So the change of government policy on and off and on and off uh, will send a very bad signal for the private sector to invest. And the IEA, as the International Energy Agency, uh, always warned the government not to change uh, energy policy frequently because uh, energy infrastructure is mm. very, very long time period and a huge initial investment uh, needed. So the private sector cannot really invest uh, if government policy change from time to time. So I think uh, to make a um, secured energy future and sustainable energy future, I think this is a very important time that uh, we have to come up with uh, the clear direction and the technology option and and show the public uh, uh, we are very much committed to that, that direction. Mr. Tanaka, thank you for mm-hmm. you know sharing with us your very valuable time and, and thank you mm-hmm. so much for your your candid and interesting thoughts on, on energy and nuclear power and and, and of course uh, the IFR. So okay. thank you so much uh, for for welcome. speaking with us today. <laughs> You're most welcome.